0: I'm pulling some chairs up here, and I'm going to ask Rick and Ken if they'll come up and join me for just a few minutes. Uh, I want them to share something with you, and then I have some things I want to share with you. And um, and we're going to continue this morning. Um, Are Rick and Ken in here? You guys come on up. So a few weeks ago... Uh, many of you, is Ken in here? I heard his voice. Can I go find him? Yeah, he's he knows he's supposed to be in here. You, that's This is Ken. This is just Ken. I mean, this is just him. Hey, 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 hey. There he is. <laughs> Come on up. All right, making pig sounds. Let me find my, find my notes here. Come on up, Ken. So a few weeks ago, many of you know that... Um, a devastating hurricane ripped through Florida and um, affected a good many people in the loss of their homes, um, livelihoods, uh, you know, just general ability to live life. And these two guys um, decided they were going to go down and do some disaster relief. So we've got Uh, We've got some pictures that are just kind of rolling of what they experienced. These are all pictures from Rick and from Ken. And then we've got some videos that we'll let Rick kind of narrate after this. But um, they felt very compelled to go and to help, um, and they were both able. And so I wanted to just chat with them and let them share with us what they saw, what they experienced. Um, Disaster relief... Going to people who are hurting is the call of Christ, and or at least one of them. And so I, I wanted them to share a little bit about their experience, um, because many of you may not, or anyone else may not have been able to do this, but to kind of know what that um, experience was like, but also if you are interested in getting involved, um, how can you do that? So I, I don't have a lot of questions for you guys. I just want to prompt you and let you guys share what you would like to share but um, the first question I, I, I have and um, is basically for both of you um, What made you decide at the end of Hurricane Ian that you needed to go and be a part of this?
1: And, Rick, why don't you go first? Give him a mic. No. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that would probably want want be something. helpful.
2: You want to fight? At the church, man. Parking lot. <laughs> you want a piece of-
0: all right, we, these are uh, we got tangled cables. All yeah, right, well, there yeah. we go. Whoa! Hey. Say hello. Hello. Yeah, let's do let's <laughs> do that. There we
1: go. They're not old enough. Remember <laughs> <laughs> you remember what, what it, was it? Did <laughs> it the truth.
0: Yeah, just take the mic off there. Thank you. I don't know how it stands up normally.
2: Well, the first thing I want to say is I lived on Sanibel Island for 32 years, and then when my wife and I retired from Florida and moved to Tennessee, which is the opposite of what most people do. I knew that I didn't want to just be retired and not do anything. Um, you know, retirement is not a biblical concept, but a cultural one. Psalm 92 says The righteous will flourish like a palm tree, they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, and they will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. And in Matthew 25, he says in verses 35 and 36, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me." After we moved up here, I knew that I wanted to get involved, and I started signing up with the Red Cross, and I never really finished filling out the application. And then, at the time, our daughter and granddaughter were living in Nashville, and so we weren't really that close. I mean, we were close enough to see them, but not that close to see them all the time. Then they moved here, and After Hurricane Ian hit, inside me, God just said, you got to go down there. This is where you lived for all these years. You need to just go go do what you can. And my wife kept saying, Rick, you got to remember, you're not 40 years old any longer. (laughs) She said, I don't want to see you on any roofs putting tarps on or anything like that. Well, I volunteer locally at the food pantry in um, the bread bank. And so I thought, well, I'll go down there and start with Harry Chapin and see how it works. And I ended up working with the Harry Chapin food pantry seven days in a row before I came back. Um, and I have to say that, you know, when you look at the pictures, I, how many times have you been on vacation and you came back with your pictures and you said, these pictures just don't do justice for what we saw? You have to experience going down there, and probably it's even a little more emotional for me because I lived there for 32 years. But I, I didn't get to go back to Sanibel Island. But I, my business was in Fort Myers. But the destruction, and the, the immensity of what's going to change in people's lives now, because some of the that that actually used to be a, one of my my, the, my business. That's the back of my business, and. To the left of it is a dock from um, from the river. Most of the docks that were on the river aren't on the river any longer. They're on land because everything rose Mm -hmm. up. There's boats that were pushed underneath bridges off off the water, and I mean it's just I'd be driving down the road and there'd be a boat in the median that came from the water somewhere, Um, and but I had this burning desire inside that I needed to just go down there and be part of the body of christ helping in some way and i learned a long time ago it doesn't matter who's the head who's the little finger you know who's the heart as long as you're as long as you say yes help in some way and then, how about you why did i go
3: um how could i not <laughs> that's the way i feel my life looked like those pictures before he intervened. And uh, that song, Jesus paid it all. How, how could I not go? Um, I celebrated a milestone the other day.
1: Um, November 2nd was the day I said yes to the lordship of Christ. Before that, I was a, a raging alcoholic, uh, addict, uh, womanizer, just mess. Um, but I knew because what he did that I was, that I was saved. He would have let me in, and it wouldn't have been because he was glad I was home. It would have been because he's not a liar,
3: not me. And uh,
1: so he rescued me and turned that ship around. And from that moment, uh, my heart has always been uh, service. I I am service-oriented. If you ask me to do something for you to the best of my ability, I will pour myself out to do that. Um, Not because I know how to do things, but I am also a very motivated person. And if I can't do it, I'm going to find somebody to go with me that can. And I'm a real big believer in two-by-two. So I took another brother that I had served with um, in Guatemala. Uh, We were Sawyer crew during the tornadoes, and I just called him up and said, you know, the Lord said I needed to go, and uh, Sally would prefer me not to go by myself. Can you go? He's like, yeah. Another one. When it is imperative uh, to be Jesus, lots of people know how to talk about Jesus. Jesus. But showing up and just being somewhere that's uncomfortable, um, it was a great reminder for me um, that that's what my life looked like and that there was hope. And somebody told me there was hope. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to go down there and let them know, as rough as it looks, as devastating as it is, man, there is still hope. And uh, that's why I went. And I'm going back, if anybody wants to go with, November 28th through December 3. Come with me.
0: So I, you both um, may have shared a little bit about this, but could you just share a little bit about, personally, what you experienced, what you saw, what you felt, um, what, what was the experience for you? And then mm. after you, so I want you to share that, and then after I want to, you guys to share. You shared a little bit about what you did with the food pantry, what you did, and how people responded. So, but first, so I'm telling you both questions. So you, so we have two separate um, things to talk about. But the first one is, what did you see? What did you feel? What did you experience when you were there?
2: Well, I kind of shared that, you know, it's so oppressive, all the de- devastation and. You know, it isn't like it's just going to end overnight. Because people who have not been able to go back to their homes, once water has intruded, then all of a sudden black mold starts coming in. And they basically have to tear out everything. If the house is still standing, they've got to tear everything out. Um, I felt hopelessness down there, um, sadness. Um, But some of that was just in me, and I don't live there any longer. But then serving with the food pantry, uh, I served at portable food pantries at different locations, and we started serving, the serving, I was to arrive at nine, we would start serving at 10 and would end at 12. The first person in line that came through, I asked him when he got there, he said he got there at six o'clock in the morning to get some food so that he would have food, because there was, at, at that time, a lot of houses still didn't have electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them, if they had water running, they had to boil it because it was, you know, messed up because of the sewer system. Um, and Rick, we so you sent some videos. Would you like to just kind of narrate
0: a couple of these and tell people kind of what? And are these all from Sanibel? Bell? Um,
2: no, I never made you it never to made Sanibel. To Sanibel, yeah. the Santa no, because the causeway's
0: out. No. Yeah, the it's causeway's just out. So. Jeremy, could you go to the videos?
2: Okay, so this video is actually down a friend of our street. This is Heritage Farms. Tim and Peggy Smith, they, we met them on Sanibel at Sanibel Community Church and we actually did a Bible study together, which actually kind of goes hand in hand what you'll be preaching about last week and this week. We did a Gary Smalley study And you talked, you touched last week about um, people's love language, and you may be talking to them in a language they don't understand. And we did a study with Gary, talking with the Gary Smalley study guide, talking about how um, you need to know what your spouse's um, love language is, because if you think it's acts of service or physical touch, and it isn't they don't feel like you love them. You need to find out what that is. And one of the simplest ways is just ask. (laughs) You know, you may think that holding somebody is what their love language is, and it isn't. But as you saw on this video, in front of every single house, there was refrigerators, there was appliances, there was drywall. Um, This was the way it was. down their street, especially because they're in an even lower lying area than a lot of it Fort Myers. This is before you even got on the Santa um, But everybody's house was like that. I mean, not everybody in Fort Myers, obviously, but in this area. Right. Every, I mean, if you look, there's are bedding, everything, kids' toys, records, and I don't mean the kind you play, but um, records from your from your life mm-hmm. they were piled on the side of the road cabinetry I mean everything and when I took this video I called Helen and I said I just took a vi- I, I tried to tell her they just took a video from our friend's Street I couldn't get the words out just like I was getting choked up when I first started talking about this because again just looking at this is pretty bad but when you actually experience it it's even ten times worse
0: what about you, Ken, what did you see feel and experience while you were there? see I saw
1: um, despair uh emptiness, zombies walking around didn't know what to do or where to go because they didn't have anything anymore I mean most of them uh i was uh I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate i was I worked two mobile home parks the week I was there, and um, the power of destruction is, needless to say, is overwhelming. You just can't imagine. And um, so many people that were sad and mad because people didn't evacuate, and then when you start talking to them and realize it didn't matter to evacuate, they didn't have anywhere to go, and if they did, they didn't have the money to get there, or there wasn't for a 100... 150 miles you couldn't get a room so these people had to hunker down and fight for their lives whether they wanted to or not and many of them were still just totally war zone shell-shocked yeah. it's, it looked like i you know when i was in africa and nigeria it was during the riots and in lagos and um bomb car bombs on the side of the road and that didn't even compare to what the devastation when you're driving down a central road and the piles of people's lives yeah. are so high on both sides of the street and deeper than you can see and your tunnel vision is what you can see in front of you it will change the way you think about people and I love Samaritan's Purse uh, you know you, you were talking about the if it's If it got wet, man, it had to go. It didn't matter. I mean, you know, people's appliances were shorting out. Once it gets salt water in it, that's it. The black mold behind, we were, I was on a muck crew, and so we we would go into the house, and everything 48 inches and down had to be ripped out. Floors, walls, everything had to go. Um, And to see them watching their lives be dismantled like that, I think what impressed me the most, and what gave us platform. It says, Helping in Jesus' name.
3: (laughs) It was more moving to the people how respectful we were being with what was left of their lives. Um, And uh, just, (laughs) it's overwhelming. I mean, I don't, I can't put
1: words (laughs) It is uh, grace upon grace where there was total desperation and despair and hopelessness. Man, I saw people coming alongside of owners. And Samaritan's Purse let you know straight up the reason we were there was to be helping in Jesus' name. If you sat on the driveway in a chair with the owner and just hugged them and loved them and listened to them, you were successful in your service for being there anybody can go down and do the work part um, and the nice thing is it doesn't uh, talent is irrelevant showing up is the deal right. because you know if uh, they showed us an aerial a drone of uh, some samaritan trucks in a neighborhood and it we looked like ants little orange shirts just you know uh, many hands makes light work you know, more people that show up and, and just say, I love you and, and pitch in, things get accomplished. And when we saw some of the properties, we were like, really, we're supposed to clean this up and get it contractor ready. Um, and then the devastation of people being ripped off because the world around them sees opportunity and being told, yeah, you know, I had a guy that just, you know, took $2,000 for my, you know, for materials for my roof. I haven't seen him in nine days and then you showed up and said oh no just sit we'll just take care of it and then start tarping or start mucking or you know start ripping uh, sheet metal out whatever but which happens at every disaster every disaster yeah yeah Yeah.
2: and and there's also sewage inside the houses uh, mm. too and the stench of rotting food
1: I know I mean
2: it and that really is disgusting Um, Third
1: world country, a couple times that we just prayed it would rain, just kind of flush it down some of it. Yeah.
0: So how you you mentioned Ken that people were like zombies at times, Mm -hmm. but but how do people respond to the help that they were receiving?
1: Oh, uh, they're overwhelmed. Um, Yeah. uh, With gratitude, uh, there is nothing. uh, People that have been decimated are easy to talk to about Jesus. And I'm sad that it takes something like that to get their attention. But I realized there were storms going on in these people's lives long before Ian came. And that just magnified all of that. If
3: they were already having trouble financially in their marriage, in their workplace, with their children,
1: that just got compounded by the beating down that Ian gave them. Yeah. And so they needed help in Jesus' name long before yeah. you know a natural disaster showed up. Right.
0: Um, Rick, how about you? What did you experience for people that you were helping? Everybody
2: was so appreciative that we were that that I had come. Um, and when they saw my car and Tennessee license plate, they said, "You don't live down here?" And I said, "No, I just came down to help." And they were just that much more overwhelmed. But mm-hmm. um, like I say, I was driven, and I'm also driven to continue. When uh, since I've been back, I've volunteered a few times at the Chattanooga Food Pantry. And I'm supposed to meet with the Red Cross to be ready for the next disaster. So I want to make sure that it's something I'm capable of doing, because I don't want to come back a cripple, because I'm overdoing it. And my wife would never let me hear the end of this. <laughs> would <laughs> you, babe? <laughs> She's watching this online, so I've got to be really careful what I promise. But, um, <laughs> it's, yeah, right
0: reco- it is recorded. It is <laughs> recorded. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, in case somebody wanted to get involved, um, Rick, you mentioned some ways to help. We've got a slide with some ways that, if you would like to get involved, um, you wanna you wanna mention those links.
2: Well, like I say, I worked at Harry Tape and Food Bank, and um, they say that each dollar that's given to them is magnified eightfold because the amount of food they get. um, And I guess it's pretty similar in Chattanooga, but they're serving all of southwest florida uh five or seven counties i think um so that's who i worked with redcross.org they go we all know that they go everywhere whenever there's a disaster samaritanspurse.org there's a place you could go online to um either sign up to help or to make a contribution you know i understand you know i'm retired so i'm in a great situation to be able to go places like this, but a lot of people who are working their jobs, they can't just drive down there and take off from work. Um, so you, they could always use money. You know, when a lot several people from this church had given us stuff to take down their clothing and tools and toiletries and all kinds of stuff. When I got to the shelter, they already had everything they needed. They wouldn't take anything. But the very first slide that was shown was um, a place in East Fort Myers that was ha- happy to take everything that we had in the truck and and give it out to people because especially the east part of Fort Myers is the uh, um, lowest socioeconomic part of town and so they you know you're, they already had almost nothing anyway and then their house everything that they did have is now gone because they're, they're all single family. The homes that disappeared, like when you read about or in sea pictures on Fort Myers Beach, the homes that basically are gone are the single family, the, the, I'm sorry, the ground level homes, the older homes. There'll be, but then the newer construction, a lot of that's still there because they had to build 14 feet above, above sea level. So, that, yeah, it, so you could always give money and that's, that's what they said when I got to the shelter. Right now all we're taking is money. Right. Mm. So,
1: okay. And I don't know if you mentioned it, but also this. If you go to Harry Chapin, we ended up, Rick had a bunch of stuff left over that he couldn't get that had come in after he had gone, and so we took it with us, and we were in honor of Rick trying to find a Harry Chapin food pantry location, and we did find one, but uh, the lady said that that since, Ian, they have been giving 1.5 million pounds of food out in that area in those five locations per week that that's how many people they were right and
0: and money always goes farther than actual
1: bigger than that and more efficient than that is prayer Mm -hmm. um you know nothing moves the hand of god like prayer and um You know, I don't know how to pray sometimes, and so sometimes I'm just on the floor, you know, just before him.
2: Praying for those who have been affected and praying for those who are helping.
1: And exactly, because both. And I want to share a couple minutes about Samaritan's Purse, um, the idea of in Jesus' name. A couple things that happened. First of all, every team that works, uh, every truck that gets assigned has a, a pair of chaplains that are assigned to each work crew, and that chaplains' ministry is not just to minister to the homeowners. It is their responsibility to engage and and uh, minister to every volunteer. A couple fun stories. Number one, uh, a volunteer that heard a random um, radio commercial. In the city in Oklahoma where she lived, got in her truck and drove 22 hours to get to Englewood at our campus to serve with Samaritan's Purse, Um, came to faith in Christ on Wednesday of the week. She would not have found anybody, like I said, anybody can serve. God used her willingness, just her brokenness to say, man, I want to help people to go and sad affair that you know that a lot of followers aren't that willing to drop everything and go and i understand life and how it doesn't work for everyone to do that but anyway she would never have found faith in christ if there hadn't been that opportunity and that was a a volunteer that came to christ but the other one that was really cool never believe for a minute that everybody you talk to in this country knows who jesus is even um One of the uh, homeowners, 84 years old, never been to church and never heard, couldn't have told you if you said, tell me the story about Noah. He wouldn't have known who Noah was. Abraham, none of them. He didn't grow up in church. Generations of godlessness. Um, The steps to peace were presented to him. And he said, that's what I want. And he prayed to receive Christ, and then the young lady wanted to make sure she under, he understood what he had done. And, he's, and he, she said, what happened? He said, reborn at 84. <laughs> reborn at 84. She said, now you know what you have to do. You have to go and tell somebody. So he walks out his road, and he's walking up and down his street telling everybody, reborn at 84. <laughs> That's the kind of celebration that was going on. And we heard story after story. Um, There was three to five people that prayed to receive Christ every day during the crew weeks when I was there. Um, Hundreds since Ian have prayed to receive Christ and are plugged into the churches that hosted us and the churches that fed us and nourished us. Um, They're all getting follow-up and discipleship. One young lady that got saved, uh, every person that gets served Gets a special edition Billy Graham uh, nat- national disaster natural disaster Bible has a lot of fun things in it, um, like the 50 most asked questions of Billy Graham and his answers and and uh, but one thing was special was the concordance and this woman who had never read a Bible she got this was her first Bible the only way you can get one is to have survived a natural disaster and Samaritan's purse come and, and minister to you, well. She prayed and received Christ that day, got the Bible, and then got shown about the concordance. One of her friends was struggling with the topic. Hey, I just got a Bible. She said, we could look that up. So she looks it up and finds the verses that deal with, with her issues and ministers to her. Then when they the team came back to do a follow-up a couple days later, they were like, hey, man, did you see? This is how this Bible works. And she's instructing. This new believer is instructing one of the volunteer chaplains how to use this Bible. And those are the kind of things that give you courage, strength, and hope to come back and say, yeah, yeah man, whatever you want. How could I not go? But pray, go, send. Those are the three ways you can serve, always.
0: All right. Well, thank you, guys. And there are some opportunities coming up locally that you yes, can please.
1: serve you know uh, he said to go and be the gospel to all nations jerusalem judea samaria uttermost our jerusalem uh we have a a wheelchair build on uh saturday the 12th that's next uh, saturday that's next saturday this, this
0: coming I'm, saturday
1: okay well we're going to be there and we're going to build um we do at least three or four times a year if you know somebody that needs service find me Uh, you know i'm in a men's group we call ourselves hands of hope man we will go and do whatever it takes and we want you to play too because there is nothing more fun than serving god and so
0: if you'd like to help next saturday um help build a wheelchair ramp um get in touch with ken yeah and uh, we're gonna knock it out in one day so um it's already got footers poured and it's just just need some hands and some workers
1: yeah, well, if there's nothing to do, we can always talk to the homeowner That's and right. give them courage, strength, and hope. And, and did, then,
2: did I see flyers out in the lobby about um, Red Bank Food Pantry? Yeah.
0: yeah,
1: good.
0: So also the food pantry here locally, um, Red Bank Food Pantry, which we helped put together um, at the leadership of Red Bank United Methodist, has become the, uh, other than the downtown food bank, has become the largest food pantry in the, in the county. Um, they give out more food just down the street, which many of you help with um than any other food pantry in town and it 's only been up for what three years yeah um anyways i called I called Ken, who 's a pastor over there, a friend of mine, and just said, "Hey, what do you what what can we do to help it, at Christmas and so one things you 'll start hearing starting next week is our Christmas giving every year we do a Christmas giving initiative it 's going to be a little different this year a lot of it's going to be more service-focused. One is we're going to bless some families that are getting food from the food pantry um, by getting them a special Christmas um, food box and then delivering it to those families and visiting with those families. So we're going to be taking part in doing that. There's also a family um, that we have worked with and helped in the past on Signal Mountain, which you may think Signal Mountain, well, that's only really wealthy people live on Signal Mountain. Well, there's a lot of really poor people on Signal Mountain. Um, they grew up, they're living in the home that their parents and then their parents before them lived in The parents before them lived in. Um, and so I think we're going to try to go do some painting at one of one of those houses. And then we'll have some other options for Christmas giving as well. We'll share more of those next week. But thank you guys for sharing. Well, were you thinking and, uh, you were going to preach or something?
1: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no, there's
0: no need. Right. All right. Well, um, I only have four. I only have four minutes. So, um,
1: so let's sing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Life is a highway. All right. I I really do think we're going to hold off on today's message until next week.